Hi, DDP. Good to have you on the podcast. Good to be here, Hardy. It's my first, uh, actually, German uh, podcast. Uh, I um, My grandfather is actually from the Black Forest. Ah, cool. <laughs> so uh, could you please share with our listeners a little bit more about your bio? Like, Give us like a, a brief overview of what you've done and what you've accomplished uh, in your life. Um, Cliff Notes, I... Um, I grew up as a, a kid who couldn't read. I, uh, I was reading at a third grade level at the age of 30. Um, back then, uh, you know, people just thought we were stupid because if you had ADD and dyslexia, like no one even knew what it was, you know. And um, one of the really positive things about being dyslexic when you can't read and if you're smart enough, you could uh, – figure out how to get by and whether you got to cheat, you know, and I don't, I don't <laughs> recommend that to anybody, but Hey, I didn't want to be in the fifth grade for five years. You know, <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was super embarrassing to me as a, as a young kid that, you know, I just acted like I read and, or, or I'd say, you read it, you tell me, read it out loud. You know, um, I didn't really share that with anybody until I did my first book positively page, And um, at 31, I made a decision I was going to learn how to read proficiently. Uh, and uh, I read my, my first book I ever read from cover to cover because what I did was I set a goal for myself that I was going to, you know, read a book from cover to cover. And I was a pretty goal-driven individual athletically uh, growing up as a kid. And uh, I thought, okay – um, if I'm going to really, you know, go about doing this the way I, you know, what I need to do is I, I need to change my surroundings. And what I mean by that is I always tell people, just don't think it, ink it, like write it down, but not just once, write it everywhere. So it gets burnt into your brain. And what I did was I literally wrote read today And I put it on those little stickies, those little yellow stick pads, and I put it everywhere. I put it all, you know, on my nightstand, my night, you know, my my light on my nightstand. I put it on my bed bedboard, my my mirror, my uh, shower. I put it everywhere. And you know, to read a book from cover to cover, for most of these people who are or watching this, that you know is probably not that big a deal to them. But for me, it was overwhelming. So. I always tell people when you have a goal that's overwhelming, what do you do with that? Well, break it down. So I literally, you know, set a, a smaller goal that I'd read one page from that book every day. And because I know, you know, it's I, I deal with so much today with fitness and health and wealth, it's, you know, wellness and helping people like my program is not about losing weight, but it is, you know, it's not why I designed it, but it's an awesome side effect. So when I get people to, okay, you want to lose 50 pounds, you know, write it down and then give yourself, you know, what's your time frame in there? So I was going to read that book within a year, you know, but just like people who started diet, which I hate that word, an eat, eating plan, or they start working out, they might be great for two or three weeks. But eventually, life gets in the way and they fall off if they haven't really set solid goals. 
So this goal for me that I was going to read a book from cover to cover. Now I got a much smaller goal. I read one page for that book every day. And <clears throat> I, I had to, like I said, I had to put it everywhere. So the only person, if I didn't have those notes everywhere, I would have just fell off at some point and I would have stopped doing it. But the only person that I would have been cheating if I didn't do it was myself. And I read that book from cover to cover. I'd read a page every day, sometimes two. Sometimes I'd have to go back and read a couple pages to actually catch Which up. Book? <clears throat> do you know who Lee Iacocca is or was Lee Iacocca? No. Lee Iacocca, it was his autobiography. Lee Iacocca was one of the most fascinating men in the 80s in the United States. He was the guy <clears throat> who created the whole the everything around the Mustang. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the Mustang car. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, in the 60s, the Mustang car was the car. And it what they did was they took like a Corvette or a sports car and then spend as much money on it, but didn't charge anywhere near as much. So everyday people could get this really badass Mustang. And <clears throat> boom, it took Ford, you know, as a company to a different level. They also, you know, he had done a lot of things. Uh, he, he took over Chrysler. You familiar with Chrysler, the car? Yeah, sure. In chapter 11, turned the company around. You know, uh, he was just a fascinating individual. And, uh, and it took me about a year to read it. <laughs> um, ten years later, with help my buddy Smokey, uh, we'd write my first book, Positively Page. Now, um, I'm a kid who grew up loving wrestling, but I was also a sports fanatic, too. So uh, when I was 23 years old, I actually tried wrestling. I had three matches. Um, I, I hurt my knee really bad. Um, and... Pretty much, I was sidelined. Now, by the time I was 23, I've been working in the nightclub business since I was 18 years old. I bounced, I bar-backed, I bartended. And I honestly felt like, because I worked in so many different clubs, uh, in certain, I, I, lived, I worked in San Francisco, I worked at Jersey Shore, I worked Florida, you know, I worked in a lot of different areas uh, and really thought that I could promote a nightclub and create, um, you know, it didn't matter where it was. I just felt I could do it. And I got my first opportunity not to do a nightclub, but a small little rock and roll bar. And uh, I sort of got lost in the booze, the broads and the party, you know, because it's a nightclub business and like. Guys, you know, <laughs> they play sports to get girls. They play in bands to get girls. You work in the bar to get girls. Um, if you're the manager, you don't have to be in shape. You don't have to have a full head of hair. You, you can be some guy. <laughs> if you're running the hottest club, you're the dude. Now, that became something that I loved about the bar business. And I got sidetracked. So when I say I tried wrestling, that was in 1979. I only reason I remember that is because someone, when my career as a wrestler exploded, 
someone had sent me a, it was just like, they call it a card, you know, who's on the main event, semi-main event, and then featured matches. Well, I was one of the bottom featured matches. And um, back then I was handsome Dallas Page. And uh, um, what happened is wrestling started blowing up in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad at myself for not putting the work in. For my goal to be, you know, one of the top wrestlers in the world as a kid is now over here running nightclubs and doing really well, making a name for myself. But that's what I wanted to do. And I was so mad that I didn't put the work in that I stopped watching wrestling. And one night I was flicking the channels and I came across Gorilla Monsoon and a dude who had this yellow jacket on, I mean, this leather jacket on, this crazy boa, crazy sunglasses, a do-rag, and his name was like was Jesse the Body Ventura. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He's amazing. And I, so I stopped and I started watching again. And the first match that came through the curtain was a guy with us carrying a bag over his shoulder. He had the long black hair, a big Fu Manchu, and his name was Jake the Snake Roberts. And I was so blown away by how real this guy was. Like, even what though did I he did do? It was his presence from the way he walked to the way he talked to his work in the ring. Like, even though I'd already done wrestling, I had three matches. Like I said, I was horrible. But I'd had three matches, so I know it's a work. I know it's predetermined. But when you watch Jake Roberts back then, you thought, well, that guy's real. Like these other dudes, maybe not, but that guy, he's real. And it, <laughs> and it, and it sucked me in. And then I started watching again. And... um I was running a big, big club in Fort Myers, Florida, and we had 12 bartenders, six bars, huge dance floor. Um, We had a stage where we did all our contests, whether it was a hot legs contest or bikini contest, because it's down in Florida, down in the uh, spring break area. And uh, one night we were packed, which means we had about 1,200 people in the club And I was in my office and I was watching the front door monitor and the back door monitor and in walked a guy that looked like Jake Steak Roberts. And I was like, no. (laughs) Instead of going through the club because it was so crowded, I walked around the outside of the club and I walked up to my cashier and I said, Judy, did some guy just walk in here to look like Jake the Snake? She goes, yeah. She goes, everybody thinks it's him. So I like ran in there being a mark. And uh, when I saw him, I slowed down because I had to be cool. <laughs> and I walked up to him and I said, uh, hey, man, you Jake Steak Roberts? And he said, who wants to know? And I said, the guy who runs this place. He goes, yes, I am. I said, what are we drinking? And Jake and I became like drinking buddies when because <laughs> 
you know, Miami is at the top of Florida, and my and I should say Miami's at the bottom of Florida. Tampa's about two thirds of the way up, and Florida is a really huge state. So if you were leaving a show in Tampa and driving to Miami, that was three hundred miles. So, but what became a checkpoint was Fort Myers because we were right in the middle of that. So. Okay. You know, Jake ended up telling the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, he came by, the Bushwhackers came by, so many guys started coming by, and it got me thinking again, like, I was watching a video in my bar called uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper, and at the end of, well, throughout that video, Captain Lou Albano <clears throat> is her like her manager type thing or her father in the, or in the, uh, in the video. And there's a couple other wrestlers in there as well. And long story short, I was just looking at that video thinking rock and wrestling. I should have been a part of that. I wasn't saying it to anybody but myself. And I was getting the, you know, the drawers where we take all the money, the inserts out. So I was collecting the money from all the bartenders, and then we'll go in the back and uh, we'll count it. And <clears throat> that night, Smokey, one of my bartenders, came in and you know he's like, "You, what do you mean rock and wrestling? You should have been a part of it." And I go, "You heard that?" He goes, "Yeah, man, I heard you say it." I said, "Well, I tried it when I was a kid, and it just got everybody talking about wrestling while we were counting our money." <clears throat> and at some point. I knew I was 31 then. I knew in my brain, well, I thought, I shouldn't say I knew, I thought in my brain that I was too old to be a wrestler. And I've got this amazing nightclub that I own a little piece of, and I'm making stupid money. And um, I just came up with this idea, just having fun, that today I, I couldn't wrestle anymore. I'm too old. But... I could manage. Jimmy Hart has the Hart Foundation. I could be Diamond Dallas Page. I could have the Diamond Exchange. And then I could have a whole slew of beautiful women walk me to the bar because I know them all from the nightclub. And I call them Diamond Dolls. And again, as I'm saying this, I'm writing it on my pad. My... Um, my blotter pad that's on my desk. And um, then I, by the end of the night, we're all pretty drunk. <laughs> and I just repeated it. Diamond Dolls page. The Diamond Exchange is my group of wrestlers. The Diamond Dolls are my valets. That's B-A-double-D bad. And I looked around and go, did I just make that up or did I steal that from somebody? <laughs> so I wrote it all down. And... What happened was, I always tell people, you should always be doing your best work. Always be putting the work in, because you never know who's watching. Yeah. And about a, a week or so later, there was a cable station that was that that filmed different shows. You know, this would be on TV, um, but just in Central Florida. And uh, it was called Southwest Florida. It was called the Party News Network. And 
they had called me up because I did all my own commercials. Um, and maybe I would throw Friday, Friday, you know, like synthesized voices and, you know, like just fun stuff or yeah, don't miss it. Hot legs. Yeah. Dig it. You know, they didn't know if that was macho or if it was me. And I, I, I'd throw in Hulkster. I could do Jesse Ventura back then to a T. And what I did was I just threw in different wrestlers, part of their thing. So they didn't know because they've seen them in my club. Mm-hmm. So it's really, are they, are they part of it? So at some point they did this, um, this story on me. It, you know, it was one of those six minute stories. They followed me throughout the day. And, um, I was wearing a WrestleMania t-shirt and this is in 1987. And, uh, they show me in the studio. They show me in my 62 pink Cadillac convertible. Uh, they show me at the club where we sat down and we're all drinking and, you know, counting money. And, um, at some point the, interviewer said where does the voice come from Mm. now already i don't i don't know if i say this or do this if there's not a pair of white sunglasses sitting down right next to diamond dolls page the diamond exchange and the diamond dolls but there were a pair of white sunglasses there and I grabbed them and I threw them on and I went, the, uh, the voice comes from diamond Dallas page that I was born to be a professional wrestling manager. It's Norma Jean's voice. Norma Jean's was the name of the club, which is mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe's real name before she changed it to Marilyn Monroe. The bottom line is had fun with, I took the glasses off and I kept talking and what ended up happening was someone saw this little obscure cable show and watched that piece. And then the next day they called me up and told me they wanted me to come on their radio show. Mm. I was like, bro, I don't really do it. It's just something in my head. And he said, who cares? It's radio. You know, it doesn't have to be real. I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm going to have Captain Lou Albano on too. Like, what's the odds of that? And I go, the captain's going to be on the show? He's like, yes. I, I'm like, can I talk to him? He's like, yeah, that's why I'm bringing you on because I want you to be my expert. I like, I'm in. And then... You know, uh, I get went on again with Sergeant Slaughter. And after the show, the radio jock's name was Smitty. Smitty says to me, you know, he goes, you know, Paige, you really need to do something with this Diamond Dallas Page thing. You know, it's, you know it, it, it's if there's something there. And I go, dude, what do you mean do something with it? There's no wrestling here in Fort Myers. You know, what am I going to do with it? I go, it's just an idea. He said, I got a friend of mine. He used to be a boxing promoter. Now he's promoting for the AWA, which was all uh, American Wrestling Association. And it was mainly in the center of the United States. 
like Chicago, Milwaukee, uh, you know, those mid Kansas, those mid, those states in the middle. And um, he said, you should make up a tape and send it to him. So I made up a tape of me being Diamond Dallas Page, the manager. Yeah. I had three wrestlers, one Big Bad John, one Rock Hard Rick, and Ted E. Bear, who was a midget. And he came in with the Diamond Dolls. And I told these guys, they don't have to say anything. I'll say everything. Now, all these guys are, are three guys who want to be involved in wrestling. They have zero wrestling experience. So I make up this tape and I send it to the AWA. And... And that's how it all began, though. That's how it started. Oh. I mean, the guy, the guy calls me back two weeks later, and he says, um, I'm looking for Diamond Dallas Page. I said, you're talking to him. He said, listen, we want to bring you and your, you know, your, your guys in for a tryout. We do it in Vegas, you know. <clears throat> You, you want to bring you and the boys in for a tryout. And if you make the tryout, you know, we're going to give you guys a shot. He said, but we have one question. Everybody seems to like your tape. They like your energy. But no one's ever heard of you. Where are you guys working at? I was like, um, uh, well, Rob, uh, none of those guys can actually wrestle. He was like, what? He's like, why would you send us a tape? I said, because they want to wrestle. You know, I want to manage. Uh, I said, um, you know, um, the t- wrestling's like a secret society. No one, no one can figure out how to get in. Mm. And he basically went, don't call us, we'll call you. And two weeks later, Paul Heyman, who's one of the biggest stars in WWE and ECW and everywhere else he went, He was working in the AWA, a young guy who could really talk. And he left and went to the NWA, and it left a huge void for a young guy that could talk. So they brought me in and tried me out and gave me the tag team champions, B-A-double-D, Bad Company. And that's how it started. (laughs) Love this. So, um... DDP, I think um, a lot of people who are listening to this, they want to maximize success in life. And um, I know you are very huge on mindset and stuff like that. And um, you're, you, you've accomplished so, so many great things in wrestling, uh, acting, now with your company and yoga and so on and so forth. I think um, what people would really, really, really appreciate is uh, hearing from you talk a little bit about like the mindset of quote-unquote success and what it takes to um, create an extraordinary life? Um, Everything comes down to mindset. And I just happen to have my book here, which is (laughs) Positively Unstoppable, The Art of Owning It. Um, I actually really wrote it with my, you know, one of my best buddies and my business manager. And uh, he's the president of my company, uh, Steve Yu. And it's both of, we, we both think like we're both very like-minded. We're completely different, but we're both very like-minded in that 
we love, you know, we love, uh, though, I'm going to give you my, let's give you our mission statement to really put it in words for you. DDP Yoga's mission, sta mission statement is to um, empower others to think beyond traditional limits, to find inspiration in adversity, and be the number one trusted fitness company on the planet. Now let's go back to when I started wrestling. You know, I came in those first three and a half years it costs me to be Diamond Dallas Page. Did I make a little money here and there? Yeah, but I spent way more. And most people who knew me thought, well, he's on TV, he's having fun, but it's never going to go anywhere. Um, one of the most important things um, that I can say to someone who's listening, so many people think it's all about who you know, or who knows you. But that's not really what it comes down to. It really comes down to who's willing to say they know you. Who's willing to pick up the phone and make a call for you. And over my three and a half, three and a half years, that I spent before I actually ended up at WCW and left my nightclub business and stuff behind me for no guarantee, but $350 a day on the road and no guarantee of working any days. Just, we're going to give you an opportunity. Mm. And <clears throat> I was young and single still, which you know, allows you to have a lot more freedom. Um, over that three and a half years, I developed some real, like, if they're not, if they're not passed, in other words, if they haven't passed away yet, I am like the relationships I have with people. My, my, my first and my biggest ones would the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I always tell everybody without Dusty Rhodes, there is no diamond Dallas page. While I was working at the AWA, I never left my nightclub business. I still worked my ass off and had a lot of fun. At some point, I started working for Florida Championship Wrestling because Dusty Rhodes left the NWA and he was going to pop Florida, meaning he was going to build a promotion like he had there six years earlier. And... It didn't happen the way he wanted it, so he ended up being the polka-dotted guy up in the WWF, now WWE. The bottom line is my relationship with Dusty, he's one of the biggest stars of all time in what we do. And we helped each other. Cody Rhodes was just in my office that I'm in right now. Uh, He's like a nephew to me. Um, we, we've had an amazing relationship since he was 12 years old. Now he's 35. So when it comes to my relationship with Dusty Rhodes, it is so important. You just can't call people when you want something. You have to call them because you actually care about them and develop real personal relationships. 
that's the only way that Diamond Dallas Page was the success that he was in wrestling and am still today. But you also have to believe in yourself. Everything comes down to the story that you tell yourself, that inner voice. The best example that I can give would be when I went into WWE Hall of Fame in 2017. My I myself wrote a 27-minute you know, speech. And it took me months to write it because I wanted it to blow everyone away. And as time came, I would change it and change it. And I eventually got it exactly where I wanted it. And now I'm down in Orlando for the show. And I run into every every legend who's going in the Hall of Fame gets a writer. Because most people, they, they don't know what to write. They, they have trouble figuring out how to tell their story. Um... If I didn't work on reading from 31 till that was three years ago to to 62 or 61, I wouldn't I would never been able to do it either. But I did work on it, and I wrote a 27 minute speech. And Foz, he's the writer that they assigned me, and he's he, at the time he was one of the top writers in WWE. And he went, hey DDP. Man, I've been looking for you, man. I, I tried to get a hold of you. I want to sit down and you know, go over your speech. I go, now? It's tomorrow. I go, dude, you don't think I've got it completely solid? He's like, oh, I knew you would. But he goes, so how long is it? He goes, mm-hmm. they don't like it. They don't like it to be over 15 minutes. They want it between 12 and 15 minutes. I said, bro, I've written, mine's like 25 minutes. He's like, oh, that's going to be a lot. So now I have to stop what I'm doing and go and rewrite this. And I completely rewrite it over that night. The next morning, Foz calls me up and he says, I want to hear your speech. I'm going to come down. I said, all right. He goes, the first one not the one you rewrote. You want to hear the first one? So I got to pull up, and I've already rewritten that one. So I had to go back, pull stuff back in, and bottom line is he loved it. And then he went and told Kevin Dunn, and he loved it. And he called me up. He goes, do the original one. Don't go over 30 minutes. You're going to be in the number one spot lot of pressure there because I'm kicking off the show. So I know what that inner voice needs to say because what it really comes down to is that repetition of affirmation that you have in your brain. And I'm going to segue into a piece that I talk about in Positively Unstoppable. My, my favorite quote is the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Have you ever heard that quote before, Artie? Nope. Haven't. 
right, let's break it down. The repetitions of affirmations, they can be really good or they can be really bad. And most people will pull themselves down when faced with adversity, when faced with something that seems overwhelming. And, you know, they say that speaking in public is the number one fear over death. So I haven't spoken in front of 20,000 people live with millions and millions. Did I get I love The Rock. I was I always throw that in there. But really, there was millions of people watching on USA, one of our stations, the cable station, and millions of people watching on the network. Oh. Now, I could have got in my head. This would be a negative affirmation. Oh my God, what if I screw this up? What if I what if I freeze? What if my iPad loses energy? What if what if I'm not what, what if I just freeze up? What if I suck and what if I'm gonna read you the first couple of lines from Positively Unstoppable? I got to get past introduction. I'm normally, it's at my house. If I have this, then I, uh, I just go to it. Uh, where the hell is it? Okay. There it is. There it is. Okay. I'm going to mark that off. Okay. <laughs> it's called, this chapter is called, you see that? Yeah. Living yep. life yep. at 90%. Here's the opening. If you knew that your success was guaranteed, what would you do? Seriously, think about it. Or try it this way. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? You see, for me in this scenario, none of that negativity was going to come into my brain. Because once I had it down, I knew I had the work put in. And this is what a lot of people, they want success. They want to achieve this goal, which is pretty lofty. But they don't put the work in. And then they whine about all the reasons why they can't do it. This leads into my second favorite quote of all time. If you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. Henry mm. Ford said that. But what the hell did he ever do? Uh, cat changed the world. Uh, whether in right or indifferent, <laughs> he changed the world. So and back- and, and, and go good. And and I, I really liked what you said like ten minutes ago about like um, limiting beliefs. And um, I think. Um, Especially for everyone who is listening to this right now, I think um, when you want to build something great or you want to create like an extraordinary lifestyle, um, so, so many people will tell you, oh, you can't build a business in your 20s or early 30s or something like that. Um, (laughs) They will say like, oh, you can never like create a great podcast during those, uh, during these like uncertain times where like a million podcasts are created like every year. And um, I think um, a lot of, people 
that are um, talking um, negatively about like quote unquote success, um, they're just projecting their own mindset or their own like thinking onto you. And I think um, you shouldn't really care that much about it. Like um, I think it's really hard at first when uh, people in your like social circle or in your family are doubting you. But um, I think um, you just have to cut the negativity out of your life. Uh, that's what a hundred percent of positively unstoppable is all about. And so back to the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. The only voice in my head before I walk out on that stage is tonight is going to be my greatest achievement in professional <laughs> wrestling. I am going to blow everyone away. I'm going yeah. to make them laugh. I'm going to make them cry. I'm going to inspire them. And that's the only voice in my brain. Now, I already know what my speech is, and I'm going to use a little bit of guidance from my iPad that I figured out how to make it a prompter and continue <laughs> to talk and never miss a beat. But I practiced it over and over and over and over and over again. And then I practice it some more. And most people want to put a little bit of work in and then go, well, I don't know why this isn't working. Because you <laughs> didn't put the work in. So yeah. back to the quote, the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Now, you don't know who said that. But when I tell you what this guy's affirmation was. There's how old are you now, Hardy? Uh, Mid twenties. Oh my God. Very young. So if, if you can know this guy in your mid twenties, <laughs> before I say who he is, that would be pretty astounding. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't Maybe. It? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to tell you what his affirmation was. I think you're going to know it. And if you don't, when I say his name, you're going to go, of course. But okay. all the people who are listening, and I'm sure most of your people are from over in Europe. You yeah. know, so this guy was an American. But he was maybe the most special cat ever. This was his repetition of his affirmation. I am the greatest. I am the greatest of all time. Muhammad Ali. How do you know that? And you're talking about a guy that was born, raised in America. You know, he died five years, three or four years ago. You never saw him box live. Like, how do you how do you know that? Because he's a popular guy, right? Yeah. Like and everyone because, knows him. He's, but because he said those words yeah, a billion sure. times. He was saying it when he was a kid, when he was in high school. And when he dies, he goes down as the greatest of all time. And probably not even for his boxing, for what he did in the 60s. Him and Lou Alcindor, who became Jabbar, and um, Jim Brown, who was one of the greatest football players ever. Retired way before his prime was over. But those three cats, Muhammad Ali leading the way because Muhammad Ali said, I'm not going to Vietnam. 
I'm not, I got nothing mm-hmm. against those uh, Vietnamese, man. They didn't do nothing to me. White man kicks my ass every day. And all you got to do is watch <laughs> all the sixty shit they did. And he made a statement, and they took his belt, his world championship title, and took away his ability to make money when he was the greatest entertainer, single entertainer to me of all time. To be able to give that off and say, fuck you for my principles, you know, like, and that was the beginning, you know, of all that stuff. When, you know, OJ Simpson didn't do that. Then again, he killed his wife and her boyfriend, you know, and got away with it. But uh, Muhammad Ali did. Muhammad Ali yeah. did. And he, I was lucky enough to get to be with him on three different occasions. There's a picture of me and him. I've gotten my, uh, in my uh, crazy man cave of me and Ali locking up. Cool. That <laughs> He's like, lock up, diamond. Boom, we lock up. We also got a fist in my face with him. I mean, we got a lot of fun. I got the, I got, because he knew who I was. You know what I mean? That Muhammad Ali knew who I was, was super, like, crazy to me, you know, and uh, yeah. had a great time with him. But that's where I'm, when I talk about the repetitions of affirmations, that's so many people talk down about themselves. So many mm. people pull themselves down with emotional gravity. And like you said a little while ago, how, you know, people say, well, you can't do this. And you can't do that. When I told Michael P.S. Hayes, who was one of the biggest stars at the time, I was managing him and a guy named Jimmy Jam Garvin, and they wouldn't let me manage guys anymore, mainly because I had the crazy, wild, mane, blonde hair. You know, I had the diamonds. I had leopard skin jackets and zebra skin boots, and I had the diamond doll <laughs> going, and they're like, you're overshadowing the wrestlers. So basically, they were telling me I was too over the top for professional wrestling as a manager. Yeah, but I had seven months left on my contract and they were just basically going to pay me and I do a color commentating with Eric Bischoff on a show no one ever saw. And um, what ended up happening is I had seven months left on my contract. I went and saw T.A. Magnum and Dusty Rhodes and I said, I'm going down that power plant and I'm going to learn how to wrestle and you're going to want me. And Michael PSAs fell down laughing. So did Jimmy. They <laughs> so hard. You know, when people will fall down laughing at you, you know, you either crawl up in a little ball. Yeah. Or, oh, fuck you. I'll show you. Watch. And yeah. that's, you know, that's what my whole life's been about. Overcoming the odds, you know. Yeah, and then I I really love how you are thinking because um I think um it's so crucial like you've said or highlighted here like multiple times already um how important it is to to be positive like um when I'm looking back now like even in my own life like so many because like I was like uh, overweight like in my teens like um so many people kept telling me oh you aren't built to be an athlete oh you can have you don't have the genes to be this or that and it's completely nonsense like um I think a lot of people we buy into those messages and uh, I think it's like really dangerous because um when you 
buy into those messages by other people or uh, by society, um, I think um, you won't nearly tap into your full potential long term. Um, and same goes with, with starting my own business. Like we are probably hitting like seven figures for the first time and I'm, I'm in my mid 20s. And um, so, so many people told me like, oh, you can never start a business in your trendies oh you can't start a business with like a real business background or business education like um i quit like university after like two semesters so um i think um yeah it's it's really really dangerous to buy into those uh into those negative thoughts or negative beliefs that other people are um uh, uh, trying to sell you on quote unquote and uh, yeah I, that's why I really love what you've said about like uh, being positive um, cutting out all the negativity um, believing in yourself and um, all those other things you know, the, uh, have you ever gotten to see the resurrection of Jake the Snake have you gotten a chance to see that no. documentary uh, that's, that's something you gotta watch because um, Jake you know, who, who I meet in my nightclub, Jake, I would say without Dusty Rhodes, there is no Diamond Dallas Page, but without Jake the Snake Roberts, there's no three-time world champion because Jake and I, when he came to WCW, he was only there for a couple of months, but it's almost like he was there for me because he took me under his wing and me and mm. Kevin Nash were a tag team that no one ever thought was going to go anywhere. And Kevin Nash, <laughs> Diesel, you know, in his WWF days as well, probably one of the most successful Hall of Famers of all time. And there was times where they were just beating us down. And Kev was ready to quit and go back into nightclub business because we were both nightclub guys. And when he went into the Hall of Fame, uh, he said, if it wasn't for Dally, he said, I don't think I'd have my beachfront condo, you know, my, my home on the beach. And he said, because there's a lot of times where I wanted to quit, but he hmm. wouldn't let me. He'd be like, you're going to be one of the biggest names ever. You're going to go down as one of the top guys ever, man. Maybe Terrific the best big guy. man of all time. And again, yeah. just, it's again, that's all this repetitions of positive affirmations that's yeah. all that is you know jake and i you know got really tight for those couple of months then i tore my rotator cuff my rotator cuff i couldn't even lift my arm up i needed surgery and jake had left wcw and he was just doing independent wrestling and he heard i was hurt so he called me up and mm. out of that him and his old lady were split up. He moved into my house the first time and he taught me so much. And once I was ready to start wrestling again, you know, we did world tours and, you know, I was at still the bottom of the card. Nobody, of course, Jake Stake Roberts was the top guy. And, um, he, he, he would follow, watch my matches with me. He'd help me with my psychology in the ring. Yeah. Um, he really helped me a lot. So when my career did explode in 96, going into 1997, um, Jake, you know, he was still lost on the booze, the, 
you know, the <laughs> booze and the pills and the coke and the crack. And I tr- I'd try to help them wherever I could. And long story short, it wouldn't be till 2012 when I had moved from Los Angeles back to Atlanta and started to rebrand DDP Yoga, better known today as DDPY. Why am I doing that? Why? Because I want people to stop calling it just effing yoga because it's not. It's piece of yoga, piece of um, calisthenics. It's a piece of um, rehabilitation techniques like sports, rehab, and it's a piece of what I call dynamic resistance, which is just isometrics meets isokinetics. And what it does is it jacks your heart rate up and gets you in the fat burning zone standing still. The bottom line is the first, my wrestling career, if you take it from the first day I started in 1988, it took me eight years to be an overnight success. My career took off when I was 40, 40 years old. So no one can tell me that you can't do this or you can't do that. (laughs) Now, when my career took off, it was feverish. Like I wrestled 270 plus days a month. I mean, a year. 270 days. That means getting in a car and driving 100 or 200 or 300 miles, finding a hotel, grabbing all your bags, getting in a hotel, next morning, checking out, throwing the stuff in your car with your buddy. A lot of times it was Stone Cold Steve Austin or or The Big Show or Kevin Nash or Mick Foley. We load up our car, we go eat breakfast, we go to the gym, go to the (laughs) building, wrestle, leave. By this time, I'm the main event every night. So I'm not leaving the building until 12, 1230 at night. Then I got to drive 100, 200, 300 miles to the next town. So imagine how much your body and your brain get beat up. Like 96, 97, 98. Now I'm 42. I'm on top of the world. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. And two months in, I rupture my L4 and L5, which means like I broke my back. Shit. And when and when you your God gave us this incredible vertebrae that goes up our you know, up our back so we can do all these fun things. Well, in between those vertebrae are these like let's call them shock absorbers. There are these discs, and they that's what allows you to move your spine so incredibly. Well, take a jelly donut and then step on it. When you get up, there's not going to be anything there but remains. Yeah. That's what happens when you rupture oh. a disc. So I ruptured my L4 and L5. So I was in such excruciating pain. And if I don't wrestle, 
I have a six-month grace period, but if I don't wrestle within six months, they're going to take my contract away from me. So now, that was the first time I got paid. Now I'm going to never got paid if I can't get back in that ring. So that's when the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga said, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> so um, before we, we, we got, get into yoga and so on and so forth and health and fitness, um, I also really like what you said about like surrounding yourself with the right people. Like um, what I've noticed like in my own personal life, like when things like really took off like half a year ago or um, somewhere around that um, was where like I've reached out to like um, – CEOs making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I had like a couple of billionaires, people doing nine figures and so on and so forth in their company. And um, instead of like only asking them questions on the podcast, I was just like also reaching out to them personally. And I was asking them for advice. And I was saying like, hey, I got this problem and that problem. Like, what do you think? And um, so, so I think like surrounding yourself with the right people and people who are like inspiring, who are motivating, who are like a couple of steps ahead of you or uh, like a, a thousand steps ahead of you, um, it can really shortcut your way to success. Um, I think this is like very important uh, to understand for everyone who is listening to this. Like, um, I think it's like said over and over and over again on social media, but um, it, you are really the five people you spend the most time with. That, that, that's the quote. That literally is the quote. The five people that you hang out the most with is who you become. And if they're yeah. overeaters, then you're going to overeat. If they are crazy athletes, you're going to become a crazy athlete. If they're alcoholics and they're drinking every night, you will be too. So yeah. I talk about it in Positively Unstoppable. It's like you got one life. At least that's all we know about. And that's the only one we remember. Go so If you had, had, had past lives, well, nobody gets <laughs> to remember them. So they ain't yeah. really worth anything. You know? <laughs> so when it comes to this life right here, I'm not preparing for 65. And I've been saying that since I turned 60. I'm not preparing that for 65. That's going to be here tomorrow. I'm preparing for 75, 85, 95, and even 105. I mean, that's my brain set. The things that I do to hold back the hands of time, most people don't even know what they are because it's it's the research. My next book that I will write will be called The Secrets of Youth. And I've got so many of them. They take time. They take time to get, you know, whether it's working out, whether it's deep muscle massage therapy, you know, um, infrared sauna, hyperbaric chamber. Let's talk about that. Let, let's get into that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's all about like right now, my newest thing that I'm doing, because mm -hmm. we all know COVID has changed the world, not the United States, not Germany, not Hamburg, the world. Yeah. And, and, and didn't you had COVID? 
Yes. Awesome. Yes. yes. Please and share the story with our listeners. So. I I had it. Well, let's put it like this. My we sanitized everything coming in our house. Anybody who came in that were workers, they got sprayed with Lysol, put on booties, put on a glove and a mat. <laughs> like that's how we did it. We get deliveries from Amazon. They sat in the garage for three days. Unless they had to be put in a refrigerator or a freezer, and there we'd wipe them all down, open them up, put them in the freezer or refrigerator, the apocalypse room. And it, but if they could be wait, we we keep put him out there for three days. My daughter had this whole marking system and everything. Okay, these ones are ready to go because there's no more. There can't be any COVID in them, whether there was it or isn't. That's how diligent we were. Mm-hmm. And then my my one daughter was supposed to uh, Kimmy was supposed to have her wedding on August eighth, and in July. She did a bridal shower. So my girlfriend, her name is Paige, um, she went with my daughter, Brittany. There were 16 women there. Nine of them got sick. Nine, crazy. Nine out of 16. One of them came back to their aunt and uncle and gave it to them, and they end up in the hospital. So... I got it from Paige, <laughs> but I didn't have there, there, what's really weird about this, this, this virus. There's all different levels. Like mm-hmm. my daughter, Brittany, who has B plus as B plus, uh, um, blood. Mine's O positive. Hers is B positive. Pa- uh, Paige is a negative. Like the a people, they get hit hard. I watch this girl's, this girl's is a crazy marathoner. Like my girlfriend Paige runs the 170 mile with a backpack through the, um, canyons in six and a half days. Like she's done races like that. Just to give you an extreme. She's got it really bad when, when it hit, she was freezing or she was sweating her ass off. She was so weak, so weak. Going upstairs kicked her ass. And um, I put heating pads, because I wasn't going through any of that. I put heating pads under her sheets and then rubber on top of that because she would sweat through and I didn't want it to get on the heating pads and ruin them. Or she would be, be freezing. So... It just, it was really hard. It took like three weeks and I'm still weak compared to how strong I am. Like I haven't caught up back up to where I am. And, uh, and again, I didn't have it anywhere near as bad as she did. What's crazy yeah. though is Brittany never got it at all. And she, <laughs> That's... and she took care of us, like came in our room, washed our dishes. She did everything. So, <laughs> It's just crazy out there. Like one of the things I do know that I had been doing, and maybe this is why I, mm. I didn't get it as bad. Um, are you are you familiar with like the vitamin IV drip, 
where they'll you know they take it and they put the yeah, IV yeah. in got it and then mm-hmm. they put in double um, vitamin C mm-hmm. and then a thing called glutathione. Now yeah. I know about this stuff because my second ex-wife, when we first got together, she got cancer, and mm-hmm. I took her to Mexico. Because I wasn't putting that chemo crap in her. Chemo, they keep saying they're trying to cure cancer. They're full of shit. Chemo's a $700 billion business. Cancer is never going away. They'll have medicine. (laughs) They'll have medicine you can take to put you like AIDS. AIDS, you don't even hear about it anymore. But people have AIDS all the time. But now they've got all the medicine that you can pay for to keep you alive. It's never going to cure you. Once they got the money coming in, why would they? It's all about money. They don't care about us. So bottom line is I learned about, you know, vitamin C in a tablet. You're not really getting anything, you know, vitamin C in an orange, pretty good vitamin C and a concentrated vitamin C drip pack. That's really going to help you. I also started doing NAD. And NAD, I don't have enough information on it, but you can't look it up on the internet and see anything but, oh my God, this shit's really good. Mm -hmm. And it's all about healing your brain, defogging your brain. Mm -hmm. And they give it to a lot of junkies to help them get off. Um, For me, you know, I've, I've had a lot of head, head injuries, you know, so I have no idea how many concussions I've had, you know, over the time. But what I do is I have a hyperbaric chamber that I bought mm-hmm. and it goes to um, 30 feet below sea level. So when you're at 12 PSI, 12 pounds per square inch, well, mm-hmm. that's when you can finally and it opens up the brain blood barrier. And so now you've got oxygen on your brain. So it's things like that that I'm doing that nobody's really doing. You know, a very, very small handful of people. And I use myself as the guinea pig. But this vitamin drips that I'm doing, because it's all about building your immune system. The stronger your immune system is, and that's probably one of the reasons why Brittany didn't get it. She just had a baby. You know, and she's got, you know, your hair gets crazy thick, your fingernails. Like when God put a baby in your body, you have to have your, your, you know, you're feeding two people and, you know, you've got to have a lot of extras. And so that's probably why she gets sick. That's what I'm guessing anyway. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people have this like misconception that, um, um, coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus can only really hit you if you are like, um, out of shape or very old or something like for instance i was just thinking about um i've talked to a friend of mine like very very bright guy also already had him like a couple of times on the podcast uh he used to manage uh over a billion dollars for one of the biggest hedge funds in sweden and um he's like uh has a six-pack super shredded in his mid-40s like on top of his health like takes himself like super seriously and um, he also had COVID. He also was uh, tested uh, positive for COVID-19. And um, yeah, he, he said like um, one day, like I think it was like in, uh, in early April or something, he said like, man, like 
like he 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 felt how he's getting worse by the hour. Like he said, it was like so strange. Like he felt like after a couple of hours, he had like the worst cold in his life. And it's so funny because um he also runs like a big uh, blog, and he always mentioned how he never had a cold for like ten years or something. So right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So so very good immune system and so on and so forth. But um yeah, it it hit him hard, and he said like the first couple of days were like very very rough like he couldn't sleep he couldn't eat it was like terrible but um eventually it faded away but he said like it with him for like eight weeks or something like it was like a very long time where he was yeah. still not feeling on top of his health so yeah I'm, I'm, we're about six weeks since then five weeks since then and um you know i feel good you know i feel strong but I go by how many 10-second push-ups I can do where I'll lower for 10, hold three inches off the ground for 10, and come up for 10. And right now, I mean, on my DDPY, it's something that – it isn't just stretching. It's stretch, stretching and strengthening the muscles, ligaments, and tendons. And I have certain things I do to see how strong I am, to test myself. And I want you when you when we finish this, I want you to do a 10 second push up and see how many you can do. You're gonna lower for 10 seconds. They will probably burn like hell, right? <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah. And then you hold for 10 seconds, and then you come up 10, 9, 8, yeah. 7. <laughs> but I want you to see how many you can do. You're 25, you know. Let's Probably see. three, as they sound like super hard. Like I don't know. And, and in the beginning, <laughs> that's all I could do. I could only do three. Yeah. But then I did three on my knees, and then eventually I did four, and two on my knees, and I built up to six, and stayed there for a long time. And then I finally got seven, and then I got eight, and one day I got nine. I was like, oh my god, I'm getting stronger in my late 50s cool. and then when i was 62 i got 10 and i really thought that was it and i i, I put that you know okay that's <laughs> i'm never going to go and i've only done that like maybe four times in my life it's oh, not like okay. I do it all the time okay and then i started these new workouts that i call ddpy jacked okay. and are you familiar with bfr training Blood flow. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Mm, a little so bit. I've, with, with a company called Rock Cuffs, I created, I think, the most user friendly and best strap that you can use. And what you do is you put them up with your upper biceps. And then when you want to, like, say, jack them up, you turn them, it becomes like a tourniquet style. And it took a lot, it took nine months of what design they had. And the user-friendly one that felt good on, that worked, and the one I came up with, uh, it's it's really amazing. So I've been doing that for, well, I guess it's, what is it, August? So for nine months, I've been doing it. And on in April 5th, which I was 64, I just felt like I could do 10 and maybe 11. Hmm. And I wanted to prove something on my 64th birthday. 
And so I videoed it. And, and, and by the way, how, how old are you right now? 64. And I'm going to say... I would you, say you're, you're in, in terrific shape for being 64. Like, <laughs> like most 20-year-olds like, aren't in your shape, I would say. Like, <laughs> Let's put it like this. I'm in tremendous shape for 24. Because yeah. most 24-year-olds don't look like this. No, you know? hell no. <laughs> and, they're nowhere, and they're nowhere near as strong as me. You know, and... <laughs> Again, I'm not strong moving weights because there my ego is going to take over and I know I'm going to tear or spasm or do something like that because I'm going to go too heavy. Yeah. But when it's body on body, you can't really screw yourself. So I'm going to give you – I'm going to send you a couple of uh, videos to go with the show here that yeah. you can work in there. And on the 11, you're going to see me do 11 and almost 12 10-second push-ups. I lower on the 11th one, hold for 11 or for 10. And as I'm coming up, I had to put down one of my knees. And I had to put it down around five or something because I, I was stuck. But when you lower a knee, then you can pick up. But yep. almost 12 10-second push-ups at 64. There is no other workout. And I want to segue to that for people who are – because I know Germany is really big on yoga. And this, this ain't that kind of yoga. This is not that kind of yoga. It's really yoga for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga because that was me. Now, I appreciate all types of yoga today. I think they're all amazing. But – I'm more about the workout and the workouts that I created in the beginning are super simple. So people aren't overwhelmed and then they get more challenging. And now that we have the app, I DDP yoga. Now the app, our workouts start in bed. Like you can't get out of bed. I have three bed flex workouts that will help strengthen your body and get you out of bed and sitting in a chair. And I got 10 chair force workouts where you're sitting in the chair while you're doing your stuff, stretching your legs and everything. And they get you ready to be stand strong. And that's where you're holding on to a chair. When I first I wrote a book with my buddy, Dr. Craig Aaron. I call him the yoga doc. So he helped me. And the only reason I really had him help me was I wanted the credibility of him being a doctor. So this just wasn't just a wrestler telling you what to do, you know? And again, when you start wrestling at 35 and a half years old and your career takes off at 40 And then I keep wrestling insanely till I blow my back out. And that's where DDP yoga comes in. I know more about how taking care of your body than any guy with an MD after his name. Because I'm in the main event tonight. How am I going to get there? How am I going to do it? I can't even move. So I was constantly figuring out ways to hold back the hands of time. So back to when I start this company, 
We start out writing a book called um, Do Your Favor, Send a Note to Send You a Cover of the Book. Yeah. Because you can't find it anywhere now. You can get mm-hmm. the book on uh, Yoga for Regular Guys. You can get on um, ebook, but you can't buy the book anymore unless you can find it like on eBay or something, but it's going to cost you like a hundred bucks. Um, so, uh, we wrote this book called yoga for regular guys. And I was trying to brand it YRG back then. Um, and really what I made it for was guys and hot looking chicks. Like (laughs) I'm trying to pull men in, you know, and there's a lot of beautiful women who freaking do yoga. You know, it was just, this made sense to me. And again, I was the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga the first 42 years of my life. Let me go back to that first, and then I'll come to this. Okay. How it happened was I rupture my L4 and L5, and I have three spine specialists. Three. Tell me my career's over. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. The money's going to go away, too. If I can't get back in that ring. At that time, my first wife and now ex-wife, but, you know, we're still best friends and she's a partner in the company. See, I really do live life at 90%. By the way, the formula of living life at 90% is based on life's 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Mm, So back to which is chapter one in Positively Unstoppable. So back to me blowing my back out. She comes up one night and she's soaking wet. And I go, what the hell did you get so wet from? She goes, I've been working out. I go, what is that, Stairmaster killing you? (laughs) You're soaking wet. She's like, no, I've been doing yoga. What? She goes, I, 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 I turned off the AC in that in our gym and I put it on warm and I was about 80, about 80 in there and I swept my ass off. You should do it. It might be able to heal you. I was like, I wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. Not happening. <laughs> and then the next night, same thing, you know, same thing. And I was like, seriously, you're getting that kind of sweat on from this yoga She's there, when that room's hot, she goes, you won't believe it, you know, it just pours off you. She said, I really think you should try it. It might heal you. And I was like, I'm not doing yoga. And she's like, and I'll try anything. I will, I'm one of those guys who will try anything. And she goes, you're the dude who always tells everyone They've got to broaden their horizons. They got to stop <laughs> the box. And you won't do yoga because you think it's a girly thing. Uh, I said, okay, I'll do it with you tomorrow. And I was super frustrated because there was no modifications. But I could find modifications because I'm really adaptable. Remember, couldn't was reading at a third grade level. Graduated high school, you know, went to college for two semesters, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I got through it, read like a, like a, like someone who couldn't read. And, um, 
you you adapt. You adapt yeah. to every situation. It's all about life's 10% of what happens to you, 90% of how you react to it, 100%. So I start doing the yoga. And I'm really, in three weeks, already I am blown away by how much it's helped me. But it's not giving me everything. Now I'm doing the sports rehab five days a week. I'm down there hobbling in, doing whatever rehab they're having me do. And one night before I went to bed, I started to mix them. Doing both or what do you mean? Mix them together. Some yoga stuff, some rehab, yoga, rehab. And uh, Kimberly was like, man, you're really serious about this. I said, baby, I'm getting back in that ring. I, I don't care what they say. I'm getting back in that ring. And then I threw in old school calisthenics, push-ups, squats, crunches, Mm. but with a slow burn movement. And in the beginning, H, I had to lower my knees, like for the first three-second push-up. But pretty quickly, I got off my knees. And then one day, three-second became a little easy for me, so I went to five-second. Five-second became a little easy, I went to ten-second. That was the graduation. So now, when I was training, all right, I, at this point, was always wearing a heart monitor. And I, one, one of my, my gurus, one of my, I call him Yoda, Dr. Ken West. He's a, a hype, he's an applied kinesiologist, plus he's a chiropractor. He turns on muscles that I spasm. Like, this is supposed to be the way your muscles look. But when you twist your ankle or you you, know, you twist something up, then they do this. Mm-hmm. And then you don't fix it. Eventually, they do this. Okay. And then somehow, they'll end up here. And now, no blood can get there because they're so bound up. If you don't get them massaged and taken care of where they end up like this again, and you're playing football or any sport, and you fall, oh, now they're torn. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Right. So what I kept spasming my back, this is before I got injured, because I'd go on the Stairmaster, and I'd grab two three-pound dumbbells, and I'm doing you know, at a good pace, and then take it off. Boom, 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 and then slow down. So the hills did this, 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 this. And at some point, oh, God damn. Because I always do the diamond cutter on this side, right? So it would always spasm on me. So I asked my applied kinesiologist, Ken West. I said, why does this keep happening? He said, you're training too hard. I go, what are you talking about? You don't even go to the gym. He goes, well, I read. I said, what did you read? There's a guy named Mark Allen. Mark Allen is the Michael Jordan of triathlons. He won the Hawaiian where they get in the water and swim two and a half miles in the ocean in Hawaii. That's not a lake or a pool. 
Then you ride your bike for 112 miles over the hills of Hawaii. Then you run a 26-mile marathon, and that's what they do. He won it at 32, 33, and 34. At 35, he didn't place. So he went and found out the guy who was training guys who beat him that he knew he was still better than. So his guy is Dr. Phil Mathetone. You can look all this shit up. Dr. Phil Mathetone tells him, I want you to wear this, this heart monitor. You're going to strap it to your chest, and it's going to be on your wrist so you can see where your heart rate is, how many beats per second. Now, Mark Allen is a guy who walks around with a heart rate of about 40. You know, he's Very like low. he's a superhero. You know, he's just an animal. So he tells him, Go out and do the same workout you always do. When it comes to your heart rate, I want you to wear this. And he take he this is a, this is the dimensions he does. This is his formula. 180 less your age. So 180 less 35 is 145, right? Yeah. Now, if he's Arthur, the disabled veteran, which you just showed. He needs to drop five or ten clicks because he don't need to be where regular people are. But Mark Allen, he's not a regular person. He's a superhero. Go up ten clicks. Go out there. Do the same workout. Do not go over 155 beats per minute. And if you do, come back down. <laughs> so he goes out and does the workout. He comes back. And he, he says to the doc, he's like, this isn't going to work, doc. He's like, what are you talking about? You just started. He said, yeah. He goes, but look at me. I barely broke a sweat. He said, I feel like I could go out and do the whole thing all over again. <laughs> he says, that's the point. We have to recondition your heart with your age to get the most out of your engine. He's like, but Doc, my times on the mile averaged at an 829. You know, 829 for me right now would be amazing. You know, 829 for him is nothing. He said, you got to trust me here. You got to recondition, reboot your heart. Mm. In the next six months, still staying at 155 average heart rate, he comes out of the eights sevens, sixes, and he taps out at a 515 mile, 155 heart rate. Went back to the Ironman in Hawaii, won it at 36, 37, Crazy. and 38, and retired. So I'm already for a year been training heart rates. So... When I decide in my third, in my second month that, okay, even though I'm sweating my ass over here with this stuff I'm calling yoga for normal people, <laughs> I'm getting on the Stairmaster before I start now. 
And normally, I consider myself a Superman. So 42 less 180s, 138. Normally, I'm going up to 148. But I'm injured now. I'm not going over 130. I'm going to stick 125 to 130 and just build my cardio back. So I get off the one day. I didn't take it off when I was done. I just kept it on. I went from the from the stairmaster to the uh, mat. Mm -hmm. And at some point, twenty minutes in, I was doing some of those ten second push ups. And when I pushed a down dog and jumped up, I realized my heart rate was at one thirty five. And I'm thinking, how the hell is that even possible? And then I got in the warrior and I was just had my arms out like this and I, and I let my heart rate, I've watched it come down. So now it's about 112. And then I start to pull three, two, one. And all I'm doing is engaging and flexing here. Like I got weight and I'm watching my heart rate go 113, 114, 115, 118, 121. Then I let go. Yeah. 118, 116, 115. So I'm realizing that every time I flex or engage a muscle, my heart has to beat faster to get the blood to the muscle. So I'll go back to, um, so what I realized was every time I flex or engage a muscle, my heart has to beat faster to get the blood to the muscle. Like I can have my heart rate like 85, 80. And I start my stand up where I flex the quads, flex the glutes, grip the toes, and just start moving with resistance and then take it down and go in a diamond cutter out to a T and hulk it up. Attention. I can bring my heart rate up to 130s. Standing mm -hmm. still. So just think about this when you when you when you're dealing with heart rate when you're laying down your heart rate's going to be the lowest ever right because mm -hmm. you're laying down yeah sit you're up. doing nothing yeah. right sit up your heart rate's going to go up stand mm -hmm. it goes up walk run sprint up 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 yep that's what i'm doing i call it dynamic resistance so again i'm not just stretching I'm stretching and strengthening muscles, ligaments, and tendons. In less than three months, with what I call today DDPY or DDP yoga, in less than three months, I'm back in the ring. At 42, they say my career is over. Crazy. At 43, I'm the heavyweight champ of the world, which is, <laughs> which is, our, which is our Oscar. That's what that <laughs> is. I I really love your story. Um, um, DDP because they are like so so successful in like many areas: wrestling, entrepreneurship, um, mindset, and and yoga and so on and so forth. Not but yoga, I also know yoga. DDP um, yoga, baby. DDP DDP yoga. Branding. But 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 
I would really, really uh, also love to pick your brain on acting because um, I'm also interested in getting into acting. And that's why uh, a lot of like very, 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 very big uh, film producers, especially from Germany, are hopping on the podcast like in the next couple of weeks. And um, I would love to hear your advice on like, what would you tell someone who is interested in getting into acting? Like what, what would be your advice uh be like for for someone who's interested uh in being an actor um first you got you gotta know your craft um i think the best there's two books out there you should read one then the next and it's uda hagen um her approach to acting uh uda hagen was an amazing uh teacher in the 60s and 70s and 80s and one of the her students um, his name is Howard Fine. He was my acting coach out in LA. And after you read Uta Hagen's book, you should read Howard Fine. And I believe it's called On Acting. I can't, I'm, if you just look up Howard Fine, mm -hmm. it'll be there. But the bottom line is, is that people just don't get in front of a camera and just act, memorize lines. That doesn't mean shit. You know, <laughs> You got to figure out how to live the lines. And that's one of the things that Howard Fine is just a master at teaching you. Like example would be um, when I played uh, in Devil's Rejects and I played uh, Billy Ray Snapper, who was just crazy biker, white trash criminal, you know, and. So that is obviously not me, but at 17 years old, if I go left instead of right, who knows what happens, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to create that bio. Like when I was playing Billy, I could tell you everything about him and he was a version of me, but stuff I'd never done. You know, and knowing guys who had done that and what path they ended up on, it's really important. And it's things like, like if we were doing a scene, whether it's for, you know, a play or for, you know, for a movie or a sitcom or whatever, like it really matters, like what time it is, mm -hmm. like what time of the day, what time of the year, if I'm giving you a, Uh, you just walked in the door and we're in Antarctica and it's two in the morning. You're going to be a completely different person that three in the afternoon in Miami. <laughs> yeah, so I got it. And it's most play unless you really have the training behind you, mm. you're really not going to know. And then after you've read those books, I would find, you know, someone who actually teaches And when you're doing it one-on-one, -on -one, it has its advantages, but I loved like Howard ran it like a, like a big class in a stage and you got to see everyone's work put up there. Mm -hmm. And while you're watching, you're watching them do some really great stuff and some really shit stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're not judging, but you're going, oh, I don't want to do that. 
And the biggest thing that I watched Howard, like if someone was putting the work in, but they weren't getting it, mm-hmm. he would be, he, he would have a lot uh, of empathy for them. If they were putting the work in, he'd keep working with them. If they didn't put the work in, <laughs> See ya. <laughs> he'd tell them to get off the stage. Like, get you, you're embarrassing yourself. Get off the stage. You didn't put the work in. Yeah. And I, I, I always knew that that shit would never happen to me because I don't care if I'm auditioning. Like, I just auditioned for a role, and I got two producers' callbacks, you know, where they want to see me do, like, on some notes and stuff. And at that point, you know, you did your work. Like, that's as good as it gets after you've put that in. Now, can you get better? Absolutely. But now they're looking for a type. And maybe they're looking for the guy to be, you know, what they really thought they wanted was a guy with jet black hair, you know, comb back, like, and yeah. that looked like this one person or whatever. So that if, if everybody's work is pretty much substantial, then that's what's going to happen. You know, and uh, I didn't think about it. I put hours into it. I probably put altogether four days worth of real work in it. Mm, And then my agent called me yesterday or texted me yesterday saying, hey, bro, just want you to know you didn't get the part. He said, but the casting people loved, loved, loved your work. So they're going to be bringing you for other shit, too. Cool. I mean, that's all you can ask for, you know, Um, have really thick skin because when you was talking about earlier about, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. That and a professional wrestler, because there's so few spots in the professional wrestling world. I was lucky enough. Pro Wrestling Illustrated in 1997 and 98. Stone Cold Steve, uh, Soul Cold Steve Austin was number one. I was number four both years. Now, if I wasn't four, I was easily top 10 in the world. And I only got there because I worked my ass off. And when I got the big injury, not the rotator cup, which was a big injury too, but when I got the big injury with the back, that's when I knew I, when I came back from that, you know, I, I knew I was going to be able to control my own destiny. And cause I, I really had so many things covered. And when I started doing DDPY, DDP yoga, everyone laughed at me. Everyone busted my chops. So many of those guys do it now, it blow your mind. Because now they see me at 65, 64, and see how mobile I am and how I, I just went out. You, you don't get AEW in Germany, but there's uh, a show called AEW, mm-hmm. uh, All Elite Wrestling, and Dusty Rhodes' son, Cody, runs it. He's the guy who's really the main guy. Um and he asked me on one of his shows if I'd come and hit a diamond cutter, which I did. Blew the roof off. And then 
he had me do a couple other things that were just easy. And then one day we, uh, in December, he was like, maybe you think about a match. I go, oh, dude, I'd love to, but I don't know, man. I feel so good. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to do that. Well, you're going to see in Relentless, you're going to see because that's part of that. Um, and I didn't know it. Like, it's it's really, it's an amazing documentary, and it deals with what what did I do? Um, but, uh, you know, going back to the disabled veteran that we were talking about, because I was telling a story and I got segued, that disabled veteran, Arthur Borman, back when I, I did the book, and then eventually I did my first set of DVDs, which was in 2006. And every single person who invested in my program, I had a cut and paste email where I sent to him and said, listen, I'm not trying. Hey, thank you so much for getting the program. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I want to thank you for believing in me. And like, this is really cool. I, I appreciate it so much. And I do have six questions. I'd love to have you answer. And basically it was like, what do you think of a heart monitor? Or, you know, mm-hmm. Whatever questions they were. Arthur Borman, the disabled veteran, answered those questions so thoroughly that I wrote him back. I'd never written anybody back that I didn't know on the internet. This is 2007. And I wrote him back, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. I said, it sounds like you're having a bad time of it. I said, tell me about yourself. His cliff notes were this, disabled veteran, morbidly obese, relegated to thinking of himself as a piece of furniture. I was like, wow. So I said, send me some pictures so I can see what I'm working with. And that's where I saw him with the canes, the belly, you know, the knee braces. And I thought his goal back then was to lose 50 pounds. So the VA, the Veterans Administration, would sanction his friggin' knee operations because his knees are shot. He was a paratrooper, had over 500 jumps and survived a uh, helicopter crash. He wanted to put the 20 years in. 14 years in, they forced retired him. So he had to retire. So... I um I write I, I sent him this eating plan that a guy Dr. Fred Bishy created and it helped me get super lean, super lean. It's food combining. You don't basically you don't mix proteins with carbohydrates. And I sent it to him and it's pretty detailed. And if he writes back, I think I could do it or I'll give it a shot, I would have wrote back, awesome. Keep me posted. But he didn't. He said four powerful words. I can do this. I said, Mm. phone number. And that's where our journey started. The first month, Artie, he lost 32 pounds. The second month, he lost 22 pounds. The third month, 
he lost 18 pounds. That's 72 pounds in three months. Remember, he started at 5'6", 297 pounds. Now, he was feeling so much better, he kept going. He lost 140 pounds in mm. 10 months. Most importantly, he lost the knee braces, back braces, and canes, not just to walk, but run. Up till today, it is 2020, he still never had the knee operations. But at this point, it's time. Like he's 57 now, or 58, he needs the knee operations. But we pull, we held them back for 13 years. So when you ask me, how did I keep going? Like DDP yoga is an eight year overnight success. Eight years and $548,000 of my own money in. And the thing that kept me moving forward, because Arthur's story originally, when he lost all that weight and gained all that mobility, was in 2007 and ending in early 2008. My company doesn't take off until 2012. So at that point, and I was probably two or 300,000 in. By the time before it took off, I was $548,000 in before I took a dime. And when you asked me about the acting, in 2002, before I jumped into full-time to my... Um, my wellness program, DDPY, before I jumped in full-time on that, I was in L.A. studying with Howard Fine. Over that period, I put up a bunch of work, little roles, big roles, most people have never seen. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have some of those low-budget films to practice on. Mm. Um, five years ago, I started working with a guy named Adi Shankar. I have a, he brought me this idea and it, have you ever seen, you're too young probably, might, maybe not. Have you ever seen that? Um, it was called Power Ranger Bootleg on YouTube. No, I haven't. If you look up Power Ranger Bootleg or um, it's called Dirty Laundry, but it's a Punisher bootleg. And the okay. original Punisher, Thomas Jane, he actually plays in this 10-minute clip. It's a short. It's a movie short. I was supposed to play the disabled veteran who owns a, a liquor store in the hood. And... It turned out I, had, I, I, I was 
I couldn't make it work, so I couldn't do it. And Ron Perlman did it. Ron and Thomas Jane did it for nothing. It's for a video short. So, um, Adi had called me up when I finally left LA after 10 years and moved back to Atlanta. And he said, listen, I just sent you a script. Read it over. See which part you want. I want you to, you know, I want you, you pick whatever you want. I go, come on, don't do that. Just tell me what you want me to play. And he goes, no, I really want, no one's ever seen it yet. So I read it and it's like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And he calls me back and he goes, oh, by the way, it's like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, but it's not them. They're their own characters. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you realize that every character is just a morph of another character. You know, like Batman's not the only billionaire. I said, yeah, so is Tony Hawk. And uh, um, uh, Iron Man. Is it t- I think it's Tony Hawk. Tony, whatever, whatever, whatever Iron Man's real name is. But he's a billionaire, you know? Mm. There's a bunch of them. And then there's, you know, science, you know, experiments. And there's all these other different ways to make superheroes. So he said, think of it similar to him, but not him. So I go back and read it. And I really want this Nighthawk character, but it's a lot of dialogue. And it's not for anything but shorts on YouTube. Bottom line is, are you familiar with the name, uh, the Netflix show called Castlevania? No. Adi, that's Adi's show. It's big show over here, you know, because oh, okay. it's all anime, and it's taken off a video game that was big yeah. in the nineties. And um, he started doing shows for for NX for for Netflix, and over that period, about two years ago, he brought them Gods and Secrets, which is what it's called. Oh. Of all the people who started, me and Adi are the only ones that have just been tirelessly working this project. And he's the main one. I'm just the one to hold shit together at times when he needs you to. Adi put so much work into it, but they just sent me episode one and episode two. That'll be up sometime this year on Netflix. And who knows, I might be a 22-year overnight success. <laughs> I love this. Um, it takes in this scenario. Never give up. I love this. DDP. Um, at the end, I always ask five questions to every podcast guest. But um, before I ask those five questions, uh, could you please give us, like, um, we have been, like, all over the place today, but um, <laughs> what would be your – um, best quote-unquote like life advice in a nutshell for everyone who is listening to this right now? Um, a quote that I came up with myself off the top of my head when I was inter- uh, inducting Jake Snake Roberts into the Hall of Fame. At some point I said, because of the material that came before this, and I said... Never underestimate the power you give someone by believing in them. And more importantly, never Mm -hmm. underestimate the power you give yourself 
by believing in you. Like no one, and I mean no one, has to believe in you except for you. Powerful words. Uh, where can people connect with you on the social webs, um, buy your products, and so on and so forth? Um, pretty much everything's at ddpy.com or ddpyoga.com. Uh, my app is something you could turn on immediately. You get seven days free on it. You see, my app isn't just about workouts. Like I said earlier, that go from lying in bed to super psycho extreme. There's over 200, I think 230 workouts. Every week, something new is on there. Um, we have cooking shows. So I just don't tell you what to eat and give you a recipe. I make it for you. Or me and my daughter do. Or me and my favorite chef. Or one of my buddies. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's Motivational Mondays. Every Monday, you're going to get hit with inspiration from DDP. And there's over 200 of them up there. So you're feeling down? Go watch another one. Go watch another one. Go watch another one. If you haven't turned your shit around by then, go watch another one. You know, because it's all about... Changing your mindset. And you can change your mindset in an instant. And it comes down to your physiology. Like, if you're down like this and slumping, throw your shoulders back. Smile. Think of the funniest thing you've ever seen. Laugh. It will change your mindset. What you focus on and then what you tell yourself. The first out of the five question is DDP. Um, what are the three books that had the great <clears throat> that had the greatest influence on your life? Um, for starters, um, absolutely. Uh, um, the first book I ever read, Lee Iacocca's autobiography. Yeah. Um, I'm a big uh, Stuart Woods fans because I love the Barrington Stone characters and it's, I can escape. I can escape and all of a sudden I'm living in that book and I've tried other ones and I have never really found something that pulled me in that I could identify with. So I'm saying any of the, uh, uh, Stuart Woods books, um, uh, read about, I don't know, 20 of them. Um, And I don't, I don't want to say this is a book because I couldn't read it back then. Tony Robbins in 1985 or six was all over TV with his infomercial. Mm. And the thing that really got me before, besides his energy, and I just believed him, man, because he's so sincere how he talked, but he had 20 cassette tapes. And I couldn't read. I couldn't read his book. You know, it was that was never going to happen. Yeah, they are like 700 pages long right. or something, right? Right. Yeah. Right. You know what? And I and I've been to his some of his seminars. I watched him speak for 11 straight hours of pandemonium. Felt like I was at a wrestling show <laughs> for 11 straight hours, and then he got me to walk on fire on the coals. So. <laughs> so, so, but his first series that he had, and it was 20 
cassette decks and you've listened to one, it was basically a book on tape. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned a real lot from him. And yeah, Tony is a great guy. He's a deep, there's a deep connection I have. And I've met him, you know, nothing more than a hey, picture, blah, blah, blah. But uh, really respect his work. And I think when someone's up that far, people try to pull you down because, you know, they want to build you up, but they want to pull you down. And, and I know he's gone through some hard stuff lately, but I still got a lot of respect for him. And he helped me a lot. Yeah. Second question. Um, what are the three uh, movies that you have enjoyed the most? Well, my favorite movie of all time is um, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm, which, a classic. I mean, it's that that movie was panned when it came out. It did not hit like when people went, oh, my God. But if you go back and you look at everything in that movie, oh, my God, there are just so many stories and one of the things i love is bert and ernie from the um sesame street bert and ernie are george's friends you know one's a cop and one's a taxi driver you know and it's a wonderful life zuzu's pedals there's just so many there's so many things that uh that are super powerful in that movie Watch it every year, you know, and every year I'll still get choked up when the whole town is saving George. Um, I love Tombstone. You know, I love that cowboy movie with, you know, there's just so that's just filled with a plethora of of quotes that when I'm listening to that movie, I, I can just recite them, you know. In and out. And I never really thought of a third movie after that. You know, I really don't have a third one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not that I'm connected to like that. Uh, I, I love I love stuff that's really well written. And, you know, that, that take me in and make me a part of the movie, the, the show. Like, I'm a big Billions fan. You, you guys mm. get billions over there? Yeah, it's very popular. I haven't watched it, but it's very popular. Yeah, mm. That or Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah. we're talking about amazing. You're not movies, but they're like really long movies. Um, yeah. You know, I like shit that's just got some, you know, you can tell that great acting seems seamless. It doesn't look like it's hard. It looks like anyone can do it. That's a gift. And those actors put the work in to really nail that shit. You know, uh, I know I've been on enough sets and I always make sure I got all my lines down and I know why I'm saying them. I'm not just reciting lines. Third question. Um, what, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Hmm. Product. Yeah. Well, um, there's a, I'm going to do this myself here. I've been wanting to do it for 25 years and I just have never gotten around to it. 
but now the timing's right because my brother and I are really tight again, and he, he's the guru of organics. Um, there's a product I get here in Atlanta every twice a week, and it's fresh squeezed organic juices, mm-hmm. and it's from whatever vegetable and fruit um, that is go you know, growing at that time. It's not like stuff that, you know, it's, it's, it's organic. Um, that's what I would say. And it's about building my immune system. The, uh, one of the coolest products <clears throat> that I've invested in is in a hyperbaric chamber. And that's a very costly expense. It's like $34,000. But how much is your brain worth to you? <laughs> you know, um, the other one would be um, the steam room that I built. Because th- the only thing that I have that um, is flawed, there's a lot of things that are flawed. <laughs> Let me repeat that. <laughs> but my throat is screwed up. And it's been screwed up because I just have overpowered it on so many different occasions and lost my voice and kept going as opposed to nurturing it. So like you're the only podcast I'm doing for like two days when it's a long one. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, you know, again, I got the steam. I was going to steam before I came here because you've got to tune your voice the same way you need to tune an instrument. Fourth question. Um, um what what are like um what are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years and we had some guests uh who shared something like deeply personal about their relationships uh family life travel so speak about anything you feel comfortable sharing with us most important sure. revelations the number one first important revelation happened to me could have been 20 some years ago in the beginning i wasn't breathing correctly when i was doing the workout really in general i wasn't breathing correctly <sighs> today an example when i went on to get my hall of fame ring and the big presentation that wwe does for you Not only was I saying in my brain the repetitions of affirmation, I'm going to blow, blow everybody away and make them laugh, make them cry, I'm going to inspire them. I was breathing in and out for 20. And when you breathe in and out for three, you start to grab it in and out for five. Then you go to 10. Then you're really controlling everything because mm. it keeps you here. When you get to 20, that's a different spot. And anytime I walk on a set to do a scene, I walk out to speak, get pulled over by a cop, <laughs> I go right to breathing. Um, I've been divorced twice, and I realized after my second one that – I don't want to make sure I get this right um, – I'm going to look it up because I wrote it down and I'm always telling yeah. people 
you don't have to just write it down. Write it in your your notes. Um, no problem. Let's see. To find the key to finding your absolute soulmate is to find someone who speaks your language so that you don't have to spend a lifetime translating your soul. Mm. That the girl I'm with today, her name is Paige, P-A-Y-G-E. So that means if we ever do marry, she'll be Paige Page. But um, I've never been with someone that literally speaks the exact same language that I do. What I love about her is that it's it's not yo it's not like because we haven't had any wherever we have a hiccup we talk through it you know we don't hold anything back uh the things that i love about myself and there's a lot of things there's things i know i need to work on like everybody but the things i love about myself she's exactly the same way and things that i'm not too crazy about myself she's completely opposite so the love language that we speak to each other is I've never had this before. You know, it took me 64 years. And the crazy part was I was dating her eight years ago and I was dating my, what would be my future wife, Brenda, and another girl. I was dating like three girls. And, and what happened Living was, the life. <laughs> I, I was Diamond Dallas Page on and off all my whole life. <laughs> I but uh, I was at a Tony Robbins seminar. That's one that I saw him walked on the, you know, the uh, the coals and all that, and that shit's real, by the way. Um, but um, so I'm I'm there at this seminar for the weekend, and every single thing he's talking about, I teach. You know, I don't have to hear it. You always need to hear it. But it's not like I had to, because I do everything that he talks about. You know, mm. I'm, I, what he did, what he does is similar to what I do. And other things, I just took things that he did, and I, I need to, you, I need to own that. And um, but what didn't I do? And what I thought was, well, you've never had a straight relationship with one woman. In other words, where I didn't cheat on her. Mm. You know, and that was a flaw of mine. And that was going to be different. And then I just got off a trip with uh, to Costa Rica with Brenda. And because her age was closer to mine, and she was also being exactly everything I wanted, so much so the fact that I had to say to her, you know, you can't change. <laughs> you know, is this really you? You know, even she was too perfect. And uh, <laughs> it turned out that, you know, things change, you know. And with Paige, I've never said it to her once. Mm. I've never said to her, is this really you? Are you really going to be this person? I've never had to because I know who she is. And we speak the same language. And that is so pivotal to so many people out there. It took me 64 years to figure it out. 
So hopefully it'll help someone who's younger. And if you're in a negative relationship, you know, you can do something about that because there's no reason for anyone to be in a negative relationship. It doesn't, doesn't help anybody. You know, if you're just, you know, stuck in that rut and I, I'm all about respect and how you talk to me. And if you, if you know how to talk to me and for respect, well, you're going to get the same thing back, but you talk to me like I'm an asshole. I want to talk to you back the same way. So that to me is the most profound thing I can say to anybody. Last question, um, DDP. What would you tell um, your 20-year-old self? Well, we were starting to talk about this, and I stopped because I wanted to only say it once. There's, there's something, if you, if you dug this interview and you really mm -hmm. want to take it to the next level, I did a thing with what's called the Players' Tribune, and it's called A Letter to My Younger Self. Now, the first person to do it was Derek Jeter, the very famous Yankee ba baseball player, um, Hall of Famer. And um, he turned it into a, bus you know, a business online. And when they did mine, I'm talking to myself at 12 years old. It's 17,000 words. It's like, I was like, dude, this is crazy. No one, they wanted more and more. They loved it. It's the longest one they've ever done, but it, it was a lot of fun. I think at 20, I would tell myself to myself, it's completely different at 12 than I would at 20. But at 20, I'd let myself know that you're going to fall down, dude. <laughs> you're going to make mistakes. You're going to hear a guy named Zig Ziglar, and he's this very famous Bible thumper, um, inspirational, motivational speaker. And you're going to hear him say something. Listen and apply. Because what he says is you can get what, he didn't say it like this. This is my quote but it's a version of his quote. And the quote is, you can get whatever you want as long as you help enough people get what they want. Yeah. And I've applied that my whole life. And that's the first thing I would talk about. And don't beat yourself up when everyone tells you you can't do something thrive on it take it to a different level take it to a level of competition like you've never taken it before because the bottom line is everything you're going to try to do you may not do it right then like when I started wrestling at 23 and it didn't happen and my career took off at 40 you know like never give up be relentless and you'll live the dream of five different people. <laughs> DDP, um, <laughs> thank something you like so much. Left. One last thing for you guys. Whoever's yeah. still here, you want to follow me, 
at real DDP at DDP yoga on Twitter at diamond Dallas page at DDP yoga on Instagram, Facebook, my athlete page is diamond Dallas page on my DDP yoga page. Um, that's, it's just DDP yoga. Um, and there's like 700,000, you know, likes there, or half a million or whatever. I can't remember. It's a lot. Um, but you've heard me talk on and off about my program. Don't listen to a word I have to say about it. Go on any of those platforms. And the favorite, the number one platform is on Facebook and it's not mine. It's a member's, uh, um, it's a member's DDP yoga, one word. Read what people write about it. Because when you're out there and you're in the ring and there's 5, 10, 20,000 people chanting your name, in my case, it was DDP, and it was so loud, it is so hard to get people to do that. You have to, can't remember her name right now who said this, they may, they, they'll never remember what you did. And they'll never remember what you said, but they will remember the way you made them feel. And that, you know, you get people chanting your name in the ring and then going over to the internet and watching people write things about the program at the start of this. Um, I want to read you this. Yeah. My business partner just sent me this. This is to me. This this is this is the kind of shit that makes my day. Steve, where'd you send it? He must have emailed it. Let me see. Oh, here it is. Okay. You'll love this. Okay. This is what I mean about people writing stuff. This just happened today, and it's a review for our DDPY company. And the guy, he writes five stars. And this is August 18th, 2020. Five stars. I am shocked, in capital letters, at just how amazing this really is. A client slash friend told me he was doing this years ago. I scoffed. DDP? Really? Give me a break. Some fitness gimmick, I'm sure. Years later, 10 years actually, he's still committed to it. And with a pandemic, I figure I'd give it a whirl. Man, am I glad I did. It's no fluff. Gimmick, nonsense, real workouts, real ways to track everything, get goals, change capital letters lifestyle. I'm a personal trainer. I capital letters know what works for most people. Capital letters. This has it all. <laughs> you can't Not make it. people write that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't make people write that. <laughs> so read what people say about us. You know, you, 
Yeah, there's there's uh, there's one. It's called the top tens list, and they do it on everything. And about three, two and a half years ago, they did one on home workouts. And P90X was number three. If that would have been five, six years ago, they'd have killed everybody. But it wasn't. It was two and a half years ago. And they ended up in third place. They had about 150 comments. Insanity was number two. Again, if it was like four years ago, they probably would have kicked everybody's ass. <laughs> but they weren't. And they had about 200 comments. DDP Yoga was number one. It had 948, not comments, 948 paragraphs of people talking about our stuff. So, you know, when it comes down to make sh- people will, won't remember what you did or what you said, but they'll remember the way you made them feel. That's what this is. And I'm going to send you our movies, both of our documentaries, and then we'll set something up. You're going to do the program. I'm going to set you up with the program, and then we'll come back in a couple of months, and we'll talk again. (laughs) DDP, um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for sharing your advice with us. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Hey, brother, it was great to be on. Your class act. Have an awesome day. And it's been your pleasure. See ya. Bang! Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. If you want to receive exclusive membership-only content, go to hadihabaland.com slash membership. Membership benefits include Private access to me directly via Monthly Ask Me Anything podcast, where you can submit questions for future episodes and get your questions answered by me personally. Benefits also include steep discounts for products we believe in, so you can save money and much more. Again, go to hadihabaland.com slash membership for exclusive membership-only content. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.